and welcome to Big Gay Energy. I'm Bree. I'm Theora. And I'm Caitlin. Come along with us while we dive into the fun and nuances of queer media. Representation matters, and we're here to talk about it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this month's Big Gay Book Club. Before we begin, we want to thank our November supporters. Kathleen has continued their monthly donation, and we're very appreciative of it. And Sandy has also made a generous yearly contribution to us. Uh, we, we love you all. Not expected, but greatly appreciated. Thank all right, you. so <laughs> for this book club, we are going to do things a little differently. Instead of focusing on one book, we are going to discuss a resurgence of queer censorship in the form of banned books. This is a highly controversial topic that has been all over the media and directly impacts the LGBTQ plus community. And we also have a special guest joining us today. Speaking of that special guest, you may recognize her from a previous episode, but if not, um, that's cool. Cause it's Alexa, who is a reference librarian and a young adult services librarian. So she's got some expertise in this topic. A little bit of that, yeah. Thank you for having me again. Of course. We are so grateful for you to join us and so happy to see you again. Great to be back on here. Great to see all of you. And I'm excited to talk about this because it's um, it's something that's very, that I feel very strongly about, so. Yeah, apparently I didn't realize how strongly I felt about it until we like, brought it up slightly and then I would start going off on rants and yeah. It's very rantable. Okay. <laughs> yes. Oh, for sure. We can't wait to hear what you have to say as someone who experiences this firsthand. Yes. All right. So first we're going to talk about what a book ban is just so we're all aware of the definition of it. So Pen America defines a school book ban as any action taken against a book based on its content and as a result of parent or community challenges, administrative decisions, or in response to direct or threatened action by lawmakers or the other government officials. This is a very long definition. That leads to a previously accessible book being either completely removed from availability to students or where access to a book is restricted or diminished. So basically people just can't read the book. Um, there's this graphic, I'll put it on the screen, but no surprise, Texas has the most banned books from July 2021 to June 2022. With I am. Seven? Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say that I'm shocked and kind of impressed at Louisiana. <laughs> Go California with zero. <laughs> yeah, Louisiana I, has zero. And Hawaii. <laughs> And Alabama, apparently. <laughs> Florida. Yeah, no, like there's up. there's definitely some states on here that I'm like, really? They have zero banned books? They ain't got time for this. Well, and I also, also think it may be a, a case of the population uh demographics as well. Yeah. I'm upset with my state. Yep. Yeah, what the hell, Pennsylvania? <laughs> Actually, one of the school districts that I lived in banned one of the books that we're talking about. I believe it was um, Heather Has Two Mommies. Probably. Yeah, I believe it was that one. And I was like, what the hell? 
We're literally in a blue county. I mean, well, what happens is, is people from other counties come in to, like, sit in school board mm-hmm. things and then fuck shit up for everybody else. Like, it's not the people necessarily in that county or it's, like, rogue people with too much free time. Like, that's part of the problem. Like, some people feel so so strongly about this thing that riles them up that they just want to censor stuff for everybody else. Like, yeah, so it's like not a reflection of of the people that live there necessarily. It's just the minority that's just riled up by this, trying to erase things they don't like. Because if I don't see it, it doesn't exist. Like we've talked about this before in other topics, but like this is the real version of like that happening in real time. And so you have like a thousand banned books in Texas now suddenly like the resurgence thing that's been happening over the past year because this is the new scape- scapegoat topic in America to like make scared people angry and feel like they're making a change in the world by just like erasing people they don't like. Just like we'll get back around to video games. Yeah, and, and like the thing about the banning of the books is it's not that like nobody can read it. What they're really doing is they're removing public accessibility in America from the book. Cause like you could still buy the book on Amazon, but like if you don't have the money to buy it, your access is now limited. So that's really what they're doing. They're limiting access to books and like, and like putting a firewall or paywall to knowledge and like representation in our case. Fascism. Hey, what's what? Alexa, is there anything, I don't know if you have this open in front of you, but is there anything on this map that surprises you? Not particularly. Uh, What interests me about the map is that this, um, it's a map of bands, right? So it does not even reflect how many books are challenged because what you see a lot more than banning books is people lodging complaints against them, attempting to get them off shelves. And it doesn't always work, obviously. We can see that there's a surprising number of states on the map that have zero bans, which is awesome. But to Theora's point about people coming into communities from outside of them to protest, we actually had something along those lines happen in my community. Um, For context, I live in a very, very liberal area, and I live in a very, very queer subset of that very liberal area. And a couple months ago, we had... um, far-right protesters show up to a drag queen story time and they were not members of the community by caitlin bust in to that community just like you were saying just because they want to get riled up about something somewhere else so i definitely think there's a lot of truth to that get a different hobby Mm. (laughs) well the problem is they don't have they're upset with their lives that's the problem the problem is like nobody is getting to the root of why everybody's upset we're just like they just redirect their people, the far-right extremists slash terrorists. They just, like, it, direct them at other people. They're like, well, go hate them. They're worse than you. And then, like, you direct your feelings at somebody else and tearing them down. But it doesn't solve the problem that your life has problems. Like, you're just causing other problems elsewhere. Like, that's what this all really is. And it sucks because, like, our safe spaces like that are getting invaded by these people that have nothing to do. Like, how is that affecting you at all? You don't even live there. It's just ridiculous. And so, like, we're suffering because they're upset and they're redirecting their feelings at us is what's happening, really. It's fucking stupid. It's kind of insidious, too, because um, I attended a professional library conference recently and we had this fantastic speaker come in and he said something that really kind of stuck in my craw. 
he compared Black Lives Matter to Blue Lives Matter protests. And he asked the audience, you know, is this the same thing? And we said, well, no, obviously not. And he said, one of these groups is trying to overhaul an unjust system. The other one is trying to uphold the status quo. So I think a lot of these people who object to books of all the stupid things um, feel righteously motivated because they see that what they would like to be the status quo is not being upheld. So they feel very vindicated. They feel very empowered. They feel like they are in pursuit of a righteous goal. And that's where it's kind of scary. Yeah, totally. It's that, again, like I can justify doing horrible things because I have the moral high ground. That's exactly what, that's well said. That's so true. And Texas, the least moral place on earth, as by this map, over a thousand books, like up to a thousand books that have been banned. I can't even imagine the workload of like the challenging process in Texas. Those people must be exhausted. You're like, this shit again. <laughs> I just want to break Florida off. Yeah. It's like hanging there Florida. with its up to 750 bands. Florida's disgusting. It's so corrupt and ridiculous. Florida might have been where somebody actually, I don't remember the details. I should have looked this up prior to, but there was a politician or a local loudmouth or somebody who audited the entire contents of a school library, maybe. Yes, about I remember it, this. And slated for, you know, put forth for consideration for removal anything that had any anti like pro lgbt anti police anything anything he didn't personally agree with personally like yeah exactly it's ridiculous you're muted Caitlin, you're muted <laughs> stupid dogs there we go <laughs> hey they can't read <laughs> <laughs> that's why i read to them at night I know they're trying they're angry because they're like we sense that Caitlin's angry but we don't know what we're angry about so it's like the mob people they're like we're just gonna be angry bark 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 <laughs> <See? Stop. laughs> she's really upset about book banning I think she's we're actually sensing Theora's anger from like <laughs> thanks Bristol <laughs> uh, she says you're welcome the don't say gay bill definitely did not help any of this. Like, no, made it even more popular to be a right. It was designed about, to do exactly this. So. Now those people are distracted by this social thing that's not really a thing. They're making it a thing. It just distracts people, and it's just ridiculous. It is. It's. But like book banning is nothing new. It's just like this isn't a renaissance. It's a new wave of book banning targeting a specific group of people or like things conservatives don't like, which I mean, has always been a thing. Like Oryx and Crake has been like, which is like a literary book that has nothing to do with any of that. It's just challenging society. And they're just like, let's ban it because it has this one quote unquote pornography scene in it which isn't it's meant to demonstrate bystander effect and like I saw a TikTok of this girl who was like at her school board as like a student explaining this and she's like the people that banned this book literally are like missed the entire point of the book and you're doing the thing she was warning you against so like maybe read the book before you ban it because of one section of like quote unquote what you think is pornography but isn't 
And don't just go in and read the one section of the book and say, oh, my God, you have to have the complete context. And I know that people don't want to actually go and read things because even in retail, I had that experience where no one would actually even read a sign that had three sentences on it. So it's like... Mm -hmm. It's none of your damn, like, this is not something you should be doing. There are way better uses of your time. Stop reading stuff out of context and throwing your own agenda onto it. Dressing it up however you want. And so you're, you're missing the, it's like you're, you're simplifying an art to the point that you can use it as a weapon, and that makes me want to vomit a little bit. But hey, whatever. I think a lot of the time, too, the taking things out of context is intentional because something that I've noticed with this new wave of um, book bans and challenges that we've been seeing in the past year or so is that what people really just want, and I'm sure I'll talk about this later because I know you guys have some questions for me about my experiences, but um, people want the mob to get angry and not to think too hard about it. Back in April, the um, graphic novel Mouse was banned. Uh, as well. I'm sure we all remember that. Yes. So Mouse was banned. And one of the reasons it was given has to do with a single section of the book where there's nothing pornographic visible on the page where the main character's father, based on the author's real life father, of course, refers to when he lost his virginity. You don't see anything related to that. You just hear him talk about it. But these people are smart. They know that if they say, you know, oh, there's sex in this book, the father talks about this, then people will get riled up and they won't think critically about any of it, really. Accurate. I love how we've only gotten to the first graphic and we're already just off to the races. It's a personal topic. (laughs) But before we get into the content of these books, I want to first like go over like the overall numbers from the past year of banning. So there have been 2,532 instances of individual books being banned, affecting 1,648 unique book titles by 1,261 different authors 290 illustrators and 18 translators. It's a lot of books. And people that got affected. Yeah. I mean, could you imagine, like, writing a book that you wrote to benefit society? Taking all that time and then having people just be like, oh, that's a gross book. That's terrible. People shouldn't read that. No. Only in a very small microchasm because of reviews that have been posted about uh, a book series that I wrote, co-wrote. And even, and that was all, I mean, we even got comments about this being inappropriate and not, you know, this is just, shouldn't exist because it's toxic and stuff. And I'm like, the reason it exists is because these toxic relationships exist and that's what the whole point is, people. You can't just hide things. And But yeah, so it's really, it's really frustrating. And I can't imagine authors who have books out there that are for, you know, children in that situation. Just 
saying, no, you don't understand what I'm trying to do. Obviously you're just, they're just swept up in it and it's super unfortunate. I mean, the other thing, the other thing too, it's not that people are really, because a lot of these politicians are, they don't give a shit about the book. They're doing it to rile people up, like Alexa said. And so like I was reading, I was researching one of the banned books and basically the author was talking about it. And she's like, it's really weird to see a politician using my book like this, like just using it to like piss people off. So it's like, it's one thing to like have the people who genuinely misunderstand the book and just hate it because of that one little section like in Mouse. But it's a whole nother thing to know that your work is being used as a pawn for this agenda that goes against everything you were trying to accomplish. Like that's got to hurt really bad. The slightly positive side of all that is you do have like libraries, like the one where I work, for instance, when Gender Queer by uh, Maya Kobabe started coming under fire, our director like pulled me and the other member of my department in and was like, do we have this book? And we didn't. And he's like, why don't we have this book? Order this book immediately. So, you know, yes. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Just to bring a little levity to the whole, you know, sometimes this does have the opposite effect where it gets more attention and people want to read it more. Oh, totally. That has definitely happened to me. I'm like, oh, I've never heard of this book. Buys it. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of books I didn't hear of. And I was looking at them and there's so many children's books that could be beneficial for people to learn. And I wouldn't have known about it if they didn't get banned. (laughs) Yeah. So thanks. Free advertisement. (laughs) We just buy Uh, them and start giving them out to children. But the graphic that really pissed me off is our next one. Subject matter of banned content. And I don't know why this surprised me, but it did. So 41% of banned content had LGBTQ themes, protagonists, or permanent... Prominent. Predominant. Prominent secondary characters. So basically, we're just being erased. Oh, and then 40% is protagonists of color, which is worse, in my opinion. (laughs) I do think, yeah. That's ridiculous. Like, fuck all the way off. The two of them being... She's gonna punch me. (laughs) No, not you. I'm not... No, I just want to punch the graphic right now. Oh. No, it's just like... I have a lot to say. I just don't know what to say, how to say it, because I'm so angry. And I'm at the point where I just, like, I have no words, which is not good for this episode. But (laughs) I I have the emotions, though. And it's just, I don't... I don't understand why people think that this has to be banned. I... (laughs) I've been waiting to tell this story. I went to Catholic school. Early elementary, I believe they showed us the movie Passions of Christ. Yep. Okay, now picture 28 scarred little children, like, screaming when they put the crown of thorns on top of his head and blood is dripping down his face. We were literally had our blankets up like this because we were terrified. And I think you see the nails get put in his head. I'm like... 
Why is that okay? In America, <laughs> violence is fine. Violence is fine. But Anything people of color and queer people are dangerous. Like that's that's sex. where these people are at. Like literally, that's where they're at. They'll still shut off something for their kids to watch if there's queer stuff in it. But if there's blatant violence, that's fine. Let's watch that. That yeah, exactly. That's where we're at. These are the people we're dealing with. It's it's ridiculous. I actually had a. This has nothing to do with LGBTQ issues specifically. But I had a parent come into my library. Her, um, her son is 15. And she started ranting and raving to me about he loves Marvel movies is his thing. She started ranting and raving to me about the Eternals movie and about how yes. there's a sex scene in it. And she's like, I'm fine with a little bit of violence. But when I saw that sex scene, I was like, turn it off now. I'm like, yeah, like this is like you said, this is the world we live in. Watching somebody's head get lopped off. That's fine. But watching a pg biology <laughs> biology's bad in a marvel movie too like how graphic could it have been i understand Not. they were I, literally know. just kissing <laughs> there is I no sex scene in that movie you know people especially young people are ready for things at different times like okay like a sex scene is might be too much for a 15 year old but you're not having that discussion you're saying this is bad so it's so it's done so Right. And then the kid's like, well, now I need to learn more about this because you're banning me from it. Exactly. So, so now I'm going to go over to T Timmy's house and watch it because his parents don't, don't have fuck. child restrictions on the Netflix or the Disney Plus. <laughs> okay. So the, the thing that pisses me off the most is that parents want to like shelter kids from all of this stuff that happens in life where they could be using it to teach them mm. like use it like i don't even care what your views are but explain it use it as a conversation not just keep them off from it because then when later in life they're going to be like well what the heck is happening and i just <laughs> i'm so it's, angry i feel like we've talked about this in another episode maybe the coming out stuff but it's comfort it's comfort yeah. the parents are uncomfortable by this because they don't understand it and remember, parents in those kind of structures, like I'm the authority figure, what I say is correct. If they don't understand something and they don't want to and they don't want to explain it, it's easier to just say, stay away from it. It's evil. Just like be simple. It's evil. It's bad. N no for you. Because they're uncomfortable and they don't know how to explain it or want to. So it's like the, the parents, it's really, this is like all of these challenged books are challenged by parents who feel uncomfortable by the material. It's not the kids. It's the parents who are uncomfortable and using their emotions to like dictate what they're gonna do and they're like well if i'm uncomfortable they're uncomfortable but like the kids don't care it's it's the parents overreacting to their own emotions that they don't want to deal with they're just like i don't want to feel uncomfortable anymore just hide it hide it hide it that's that's really also what it is. like uh when parents get uh like get pissed off like over like adult jokes and like kids stuff those jokes are going over the kids heads like they're not gonna understand and if they do ask a question about it, explain it in a child-friendly way. And parents are not but that's work, that. Caitlin. Right, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that makes them uncomfortable, and they don't want to do that, so they just ban. Yeah, because the other categories are sexual content, titles with issues of race and racism, titles with themes of rights and activism, biography, autobiography, or memoir, and stories with religious minorities. 
So like all the all big beds. <laughs> Well, it's like Alexa said, it's all the stuff that challenges the status quo or what should mm-hmm. be the status quo, according to the medieval ages that these people are obsessed with. You know, when we were dying of like plagues. The Crusades. So. <laughs> yeah. There's a journal. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you. <laughs> no, no. I was going to say Crusades is a perfect example of like cognitive dissonance. It's glorifying violence and a pacifist religion. Yep. <laughs> so that's what we're doing. <laughs> No, I was going to say there's a YouTube channel that I really like where um, it's this girl reads with Rachel. It's called she talks about books, but she also talks about she had a fundamentalist Christian upbringing. And she said something that really stuck with me in one of her videos the other day. She was like, people don't want you uh, people on the far right and religious extremists. They don't want you to get an education because they want you to be stupid, because if you are stupid, you will vote the way that they want you to vote. And that's, I think, what it comes down to here. The one that really stuck out to me was um, titles with themes of rights rights and activism. Um, yeah, if you don't know, you don't know what you don't know, then you're more willing to go along with what the, the mono narrative that you're, I think I might've just made that word up. You know what I mean? No, I like that. Mono. No, I like it. We're inventing words. On we BGD. make up words all the time. I love it. I'm writing that one down. I think I was trying to say monoculture, but that's not what I meant. I was talking about narrative. Anyway, you got what I was saying. Yes. And invented a new word. What can't Alexa do? Oh, well, you can look at that there in the question section. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone else have anything to say on this graphic before we move on? That's all. <laughs> Great commentary, Bray. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> so I made it let's <laughs> actually get into the books that we have. So our first book is Heather Has Two Mommies. By Leslie Newman. This book, the summary is Heather's favorite number is two. She has two arms, two legs, two pets, and two mommies. When Heather goes to school for the first time, someone asks her about her daddy, but Heather doesn't have a daddy. Then something interesting happens. When Heather and her classmates all draw pictures of their families, not one drawing is the same. Because no families are the same. I actually watched someone read this with the book on the screen, mm-hmm. too. So it was, I mean, this has been out for a while. So Yeah. No, this is credited <laughs> as the first LGBTQ children's book, I believe. I remember hearing about this back in the day, and it's kind of almost a trope now. Not a trope, but a meme, I guess, at this point. Be, as a reference, because now you see it reference in pop culture. Heather has two mommies, and it's it's pretty that that's pretty iconic status. So you know this made some waves, and I thought it was pretty rad. So well, makes yeah, a good point. Kids, some kids have two mommies. Why shouldn't it's, people know that? There's literally nothing bad about it. I mean, and to the point, some kids, you know, have grandparents that take care of them or have a one dad, you know, it's yeah. What the hell does it it's, matter? And 
It's like the Sesame Street thing that we talked about in the coming out episode. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. going to explode before this is over. (laughs) And this is for children ages two to seven. Just get that out before I really... I just... It's it's a book. It's just it's just. But again, it it again it challenges the narrative that a fa- a traditional family is one dad, one mom. Whereas, like in reality, families look completely different. Like exactly like the Sesame Street thing you were talking about, where it's like some people don't have a dad because they have a single mom. Some people don't have a mom or a dad because their grandparents raised them. Some people are adopted. Some people live with their like extended families. Some people have two moms, two dads. And again, it's just, it's challenging the tradi- quote unquote traditional stru- family. family structure that people are hell bent on preserving, even though this is literally just saying, hey, this is just reality. Like, n- not everybody has this. And so some people get uncomfortable and so they don't want to see it. That's really what this is. It's not that the book is bad. There's nothing bad in the book. It's just challenging some people's stronghold on what societal rules are and what gender roles are and all of that stuff and so that is why it was challenged whereas again reality is these family structures exist that's all this book is saying it's like everybody's family looks different that's just reality but some people are like i don't want to see that because i don't see that my family that my family does this no 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 no. so it's it's Um, people just feeling uncomfortable that's all it is i don't know if it exists yet but i'm waiting for the book uh, two mommies and a daddy. <laughs> just, so we're getting like, into Polyland. I know. What yeah, is- yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> we'll write it, Caitlin. Yeah. All right. Big. <laughs> we have lots of branches of Big Gay Energy now. Big Gay Publishing Company. <laughs> it's part of the network. It'll be made into a TV show. Well, movie first, and then a TV show. Sure. <laughs> can it can it not star? <laughs> I can't even remember her name right now. Who is it? L- Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> Why is that what you came up with? Because we were sitting there like staring at oh. the Netflix thing and she kept popping up and we couldn't remember who she was. So, Caitlin, why was this book banned? And I have Kristen Stewart in it. Let's be real. I actually, Theo, I was going to ask if you wanted to talk about why it was banned. Oh, sure. So, this book basically was uh, like it's over thirty years old. This book, so it's been out for quite some time, like you said, and it was challenged so many times. Um, Like in nineteen ninety three, it was like the most challenged book. Period. So this book has been challenged since it came out, basically. So like this book being banned is not really new. That's like been this book's like legacy, unfortunately. And according to the author, like she's this is the one I was referring to earlier, where she was talking about how like legislators and politicians were the ones like touting up her book as this like big sinful thing and using it for political points. And she was like, "Wow, this I can't believe this is happening to my book." And she's basically saying that the reason it would get flagged or challenged is because they would connect her book to pedophilia and like all these topics that have absolutely nothing to do with this book. Cause they're just like, Oh, gay people, pedophiles. And it's like, how? 
that has nothing to do with this book. This book is just saying families look different. So like you, you see like the mental leaps they got to ban this book because they didn't want people to see that gay people exist. That's all it is. And it's just, yeah. So the, the poor author, but she's been fighting the good fight for 30 years and this book still exists. It's had 10 year anniversaries. Like it's been read at show, like for kids. It's been, it's had like a second edition. Yeah. Like she's like, no, I'm going to keep fighting for this book and, and credit to her. Like she has been. And so this has survived 30 years of people calling it pedophilia when it's absolutely not. It's a picture book about families. The kid just has two moms. One of them's a carpenter. <laughs> And one of them is a doctor. Come on. Well, nice. I have a theory about this that, again, I'm sure I'll get into later. But um, with the book bans that we've been seeing in the resurgence lately, I've seen a lot of that couched in the language of pedophilia. And I think it's because the people making the arguments know that, you know, all by itself, like a family with two moms is not hurting anybody. But if they use an inflammatory word and imply that someone is being harmed in a really awful and disgusting way, then you get people upset. So it's very, um, not to sound like a conspiracy theorist here, but it's very calculated in some cases, I think. And it's really, really gross. Oh, yeah. And the other thing is that they, again, because the people doing this are emotional and not thinking rationally they're also reappropriating words to mean other things like grooming they use it to describe lgbtq uh, like queer families and it's like that's not what that word means at all but now people associate the buzzword and they're just like grooming 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 and it's like that's not what that means meanwhile like people in their party are actually grooming children and like it goes over their heads because they don't they're like that's not what that word means that word has something to do with queer people that's all i know so yeah, you're right. It's inflammatory, but it's to keep them angry so they don't, they can't, they don't, because when you're pissed off, Caitlin, like you're saying, I can't come up with words because I'm just emotional right now. I'm angry. That's what's happening here. The people are angry. They don't know why they're angry, really. They're just, I was told to be angry about this. I'm angry about this. And they can't think logically when you're angry. Like, so yeah, it just, it's just constantly pouring gasoline on the fire is all of this. And this has been going on for 30 years for this poor book. Like that's. It's not, not a new tactic. This, yeah, is, this is something that humans have used since the beginning of humans, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Ignorance oh. and just fear. And that's it. And you can get people to do atrocities when they're not thinking and they're just, they're, they're fearful. And it's just constant fear mongering and using inflammatory words, like you said. Bye, Caitlin. Bye, Caitlin. She can't handle the inflammatory words. <laughs> She's in flames as we speak. You gotta get cool off. So, any thoughts on the actual book? I thought it was cool that her parents had two very different and cool jobs. Stuck on that. Because you had the carpet. I'm like, Carpenter, how do you get gayer than that? No. Well, it's okay. So she's like, all right, I have to make this realistic. So one of them yeah. is like the gay is like the Home Depot lesbian and the other one's like the professional yeah. lesbian. Realistic. I liked it. That's my thought on the book. <laughs> you know what a, a book we should write that would definitely get banned in so many places. The autobiography of Caitlin. Hydrate for lesbian Jesus. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. No. Just that write about be... lesbian Jesus. 
<laughs> banned period like immediately you probably yeah. get sued by Haley kyoko yeah let's not <laughs> challenge her all right the big question is should this book be banned no no i mean as a librarian banning anything is a violation of the first amendment because it puts a you know condition on intellectual freedom so i'm gonna say no as well <laughs> Awesome. They really I mean, over the head with the like American Library Association guidelines on intellectual freedom in library school. I'm basically a walking encyclopedia for the guidelines for intellectual freedom at this point. It's not it's not cute. I don't know. I think it's cool. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I think <laughs> you should pull that out at dinner parties. I definitely <laughs> make so many friends that way. <laughs> yeah. Move in the right circles. Uh, we love Alexa here at this big gay energy. I love being here. Thank you. We will Indeed. always have you back. All right. On to our next book, which I've known about for years now. I Am Jazz, written by Jazz Jennings. And this book summary is, from the time she was two years old, Jazz knew that she had a girl's brain and a boy's body. She loved pink and dressing up as a mermaid and didn't feel like herself in boys' clothing. This confused her family until they took her to a doctor who said that Jazz was transgender and that she was born that way. And this book is for four to eight years old. Uh, this book is basically Jazz's childhood. She wrote from her experience and her feelings from that age. And she does a lot of activism work in the transgender community and I really admire everything that she's done. I've learned a lot just by following her. She has a reality show that's in its seventh season, I believe, on TLC, so they're doing something right. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I read this one. I liked this book and particularly the way they handled the the process basically of a child like transitioning essentially like where it's just like there's nothing medical happening with these kids it's just like a mental kind of thing and like living their truth and like they had the kid like in the doctor's office and the doctor kind of explained it to the parents and it was very like written in a very kid-friendly way and very I, I like the way she wrote this book it was it was really fantastic and they had like uh, Jazz's like siblings and kind of like how they treated her pre and post kind of like accepting her for who she is but ultimately like the material is very like simply put and I thought it was a really great depiction of like a child at this time kind of going through this and how they explain it and like process it and then the parents too kind of like coming to terms and like supporting their kid and it was a really good story I liked it a lot Reading this book to your child is not going to make them trans. I feel like that's what everybody's worried about. No, it just makes them accept people. Just saying. Would you like to talk about why it was banned? Sure. So, um, surprise, surprise, basically right-wing Christian think tanks went after this book. And they made a bunch of... Like, their arguments for banning this was that it, quote, spouts a number of false and inaccurate claims, and it miseducates children, what essentially amounts to propaganda and mistruths, and they write that it 
by having this book accessible, it would violate the rights of parents who feel that such a lesson undermines their parental right and religious beliefs. So that's all like legal language for like, we don't want to see this. That's all that this really is. It's because they don't want to acknowledge trans people exist and then they can feel um, comfortable. Sure, because if it was just an issue of, I don't want my child to know that trans people exist, they just wouldn't buy the book themselves. I mean, obviously in this- right. you know, Obviously, there are other places that you can encounter a book than in your house, but no, it's, um, we don't want, oh, <laughs> no, that's, that's not what it is. Yeah. Cause like, again, this is, they're trying to ban it at libraries. So if these parents are like, Hey, this book violates my religious belief, then don't read the book. Why are you, why are you making it so that other parents then are having their rights to read it violated by your rights and your religion. Cause again, it's, it's that whole thing of like not acknowledging that other people are different from me. And so it's like, you're censoring other people who don't believe the same things that you do because. So, but it, again, like, again, this is just a book about one child's experience and the way they're just like, well, that's false and inaccurate. And it's like miseducating children. It's an autobiography. Like, this is one person's experience. How are you to say that that's, like, miseducating people when it's like, this was my literal experience? I also think that parents sometimes see their children as an extension of themselves. And so that's an easy way for them to project their wants and needs onto their child and say, well, I don't want this like you said earlier, and that means my kid doesn't want this. And the kid is like... And other kids can't have that. Like, that's other the thing that pisses me off. It's like this because it's not cool. More to not have these too. books available to other parents as well, though. Like, my teacher in college had a child, and she would always take out books to explain topics to her child that he was maybe having trouble in school. And so you're taking these books that could help them have a conversation for the parents who want to, just because you don't want anybody to think that way. Yep. And just... then we all get ignorant. So it's, mm. it spreads. That's, that's the innocuous part or the insidious part rather. The hypocrisy of it, because these are the same people that are saying free speech, free speech. Mm. Oh, yeah, exactly. Free speech, free speech, while they're actively undermining free speech. Yeah, there's exactly. actually a clip from, there's actually a clip of Trevor Noah explaining this in using the whole Elon Musk Twitter thing of free speech and I think I just feel like he explained it really well and I wish I had written down what he said but he just was saying it's free speech as long as it's the speech that I like so as long as I like it we're not we don't have a problem but once we get into the area where it challenges my ignorance we're fucking done yeah, I feel like the term conf the term freedom has been conflated with stuff I like. 
-hmm. in general in America. There's a saying in the library community, um, a good library has something in it to offend everybody. And that's true. Um, they, we used to, I think we got rid of it recently because it hadn't been checked out in years, but we used to have a book in our teen section that was written by one of those ex-gay movement people. It was basically like, I prayed away the gay and here's how you can too. And every time I saw it, it pissed me off so bad. I was like, I don't want it here. I don't want it where my impressionable kids can get a hold of it. I just think this is awful. But I'm also not on Twitter yelling that this book needs to be removed from the library shelves immediately. And it was removed, but only because it hadn't circulated in like five years. Might have been three, might have been five. Um, Good. But <laughs> yeah, I, was, I wasn't sorry to see it go, but I understand <laughs> that it had as much right to be there as anything else totally. right. with it completely, which is where I differ from the people who do the book bannings. Right. I feel like also people think that art is supposed to make you comfortable and mm -hmm. it's really not. Like, I think we've lost the ability to critically think through art. And like, it's supposed to challenge what you believe. That's the whole point of art. And so, yeah, it just, people don't want to be uncomfortable and it's just the lengths they'll go through in like censoring things that make them uncomfortable from other people who enjoy it is just, yeah, it's very upsetting. And that's, unfortunately what what is happening here they also don't want to exercise their brains well no just take time to actually get outside of your daily constraints and that's that's a challenge for a lot of people i get it it's it's hard because you everybody has a job and responsibilities and all this stuff and if you've got kids that's a whole nother job right there but you're not doing your kids any good by just staying in your little box and and locking them in there with you yep it's also not about like forcing these books on kids it's about taking it away from the parents who want their kids to have access to it yeah i feel like that's the biggest issue here yep I uh i want to read this paragraph that i found about i am jazz real quick because it really pissed me off not like nothing else has pissed me off in this episode Oh, I'm just going to need to breathe after this freaking episode, man. All right. In 2017, I Am Jazz was challenged at Rockland Academy Gateway in California after the book was read aloud in a kindergarten class. The school has a policy in which students can bring in books from home to be read aloud. A student in the class was undergoing gender transition, and she brought in the copy of I Am Jazz that was read to the class. Several parents subsequently removed their children from the school and called for a policy that allowed them to keep their children from sharing a classroom with a transgender student. That's bullshit. Yes. It is. But if you don't want your kid around something, your right is to remove them from that. But you can't restrict anyone else's like ability to have their kids in a school. That's absolutely ludicrous. So, <laughs> I mean, it's a detriment to your child to take them out of a situation where they have more diversity, but by all means, that's your right. Just don't try to impose that on other people. GTFO. How does it hurt them if there's a student that's transgender in their class? 
They're all just trying to learn. It's showing them that they exist and the whole thing is censorship and uncomfortability and the parent has conflated transgender with grooming with pedophilia. Pedophilia. And that's where this all goes. Like inherently nothing is harmful, but they have been brainwashed slash indoctrinated to believe all these true like things that like trans people are devils and like all this stuff. And it's just, it's just fear. That's all it is. It's just fear. It's, it's the bathroom bills, the same thing. My kid has to go to the bathroom with a trans kid. Then they're obviously going to catch the trans or get molested. Yeah, these are just distraction topics from the fact that, like, our country is not actually thriving. Um, And so we just, they just get people angry about social issues that don't actually impact literally anything so that they feel like they're morally superior and that they're, it gives them an identity. And, like, they're like, hey, well, we're, you know, the anti-trans warriors and, like, builds a culture where we have no culture essentially it's also, it's also like look what my left hand is doing while my right hand is like taking away your other rights so hey yeah it's a distraction top t- top tactic yeah so and we're just we are the community that's on the part of the brunt end of that at the moment so yeah that's it's yeah, a fun time america sucks yes for, for us if we were you know, affluent white, white men. men, cis white men, we'd be fucking living the, the dream life in in relative, you know, speaking. Yep. Should have so, been. No. Just, no. I think that's the resounding <laughs> consensus for all of these. It's just no. All right. We'll still ask that question. Nothing should be banned. Yes. Read it in. Read it in all the schools. Ah. Okay, Bristol. Yeah. <laughs> What's the next book, Caitlin? The next book is a chapter book called Better Nate Than Ever. It's for 9 to 13 year olds in grades 4 through 8. And this is the summary. Nate Foster has big dreams. His whole life, he's wanted to star in a Broadway show. Heck, he'd settle for seeing a Broadway show. But how is Nate supposed to make his dreams come true when he's stuck in Jankburg, Pennsylvania, when no one, except his best pal Libby, appreciates a good show tune? With Libby's help, Nate plans a daring overnight escape to New York. There's an open casting call for E.T. the musical, and Nate knows this could be the difference between small-town blues and big-time stardom. I picked this book... Well, one, because it's musical theater, and that that was my childhood. And two, because it's not innately gay. Like, it's... No. They, they, this is... That's why it was banned. But there's, like, three sentences that address that. I think... Well, I... Okay. So I think there's other reasons it got banned, but I think that's the most inflammatory. So in the book, basically, this kid states multiple times... Well, like, he's bullied, first of all, because he likes musical theater, which I don't understand why we bully boys for this, because it's like, 
there are men stars on Broadway. Like, this is an actual job. I don't understand this, why we bully men. It's like you need men in these productions where there's male characters. We need so a lot more men. Put your children Put your children in theater. It's so, <laughs> like, no men. It's it's so stupid. Them. Like, this is an actual job. Like, it's so dumb to bully people for a job. But anyway, he gets bullied because he he's compared to his brother, who's essentially, like, the typical male where he's the big sports star and this and that his dad is very dismissive of him his parents are dismissive of him because he's different he's like i like i would prefer to sing and dance and like be an actor that's what i want to do but so of course he's bullied for that and there's a lot of bullying where they call him like inflammatory queer terms like the f word that means a bundle of sticks and he's constantly being called like gay in a derogatory way and the kid in his monologue is like i don't even know what i am like i just like show tunes like he just says that over and over again he's like i don't know i just like i'm 12 i'm 13 he's 13 i just like i just want to be an actor like why is that so weird but I think part of why this is banned, like the demographic of people, quote unquote, banning books, it's because, okay, here's part of that narrative. This is a kid who's trying to escape a small town with no opportunities to go to a big city. So that's like liberal indoctrination. There's a scene in the book where essentially him and his brother go to Bible camp. And like, he's like, oh, I'm so excited. I get to bond with my brother who's like, you know, doing his own thing and we get to hang out. And he goes through the, I love this part of the book where he basically goes through this, like accepting Jesus in the Bible camp. And he's like, I was doing it because my brother was really into it. And I was like, I wanted to fit in. But like, and I accepted, I, I did it. I got on the stage and I was like, I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior and all this stuff. And then like immediately after some kid calls him an F word and then beats him up. And he's like, he has this moment where he's like, I don't understand. Like I accepted God who's supposed to protect me and God did not protect me. I still got, I'm still not one of them, even when I'm playing their game basically. And he was so ashamed that on like the way back, he's like, I stopped, I lost my faith basically. It was like, so I think part of that is like showing that religious trauma that queer people go through. They don't want to see that. That's bad. So there's like multiple reasons I think this got banned, but yeah, there's this scene in the book where like he witnesses two boys kissing and he's like, wow, he's like looking at these kids who are like basically like dancing all together. And he's like, wow, I, he's having all this anxiety because he's like, they're too close to other people. Like people are going to beat them up the way I got beat up, but nothing mm -hmm. ends up happening because he's in New York where it's like normal. And he's like, wow, there's a whole other world where like I can be me potentially, which is the message of like, get out of your small town, go to a better place. So like, I think there's a lot of reasons these types of parents are trying tried to ban this book. And because the message is ultimately like, be you no matter what, just like find your people, find your place. And it's like, nope, versus conforming. Because like he tries to conform in the book and he's like, I can't because I'm different. So Ugh, it's very sad. I, but hmm. it's a fun book, actually. I like listening. Like I listened to the audio version where like the author, Tim, actually reads it. And he, yeah, he's very like theatrical when he reads it. And it's, it's a lot of fun. I highly recommend like the audio book. <laughs> That's interesting. Maybe I'll check that one out. Yeah, it's um, pretty good. Yeah, so this book was written by Tim Federley. I believe that's how you say his name. And he's also written and like produced High School Musical, the musical, the series on Disney+. Plus. And this book was actually turned into a movie. It's pretty darn good on Disney+, Plus, so I recommend checking that out. Um... Uh, we talked about how his parents also treated him differently just because, like, they knew he was different. And right in the beginning of the book, literally page five, 
I, I think this might be the first page, but it has stuff ahead. Um, he talks about how he would sing a lot as a child, like an even younger child, but there's no proof of it. There's nobody recorded anything. And, but his brother, because he was a sports. So all of that got recorded and documented, but anything with him wasn't because it was musical theater and no one takes that seriously. Um, do you want to... There's also quotes, and it's not just that they knew he was different. The The parents also, like, shame him. Like, they, they know he's different. And, like, the mom... There's this quote, too, later where... Um, Basically, she's talking to him. I forget why, but she was saying something like an anecdote about him one time where the neighbor heard like him, heard like wailing in the backyard and was like, I don't know what this is. Like the neighbor's like, I thought it was a rabbit beaver. And then she's like, the neighbor saw you in the woods just prancing around like, you know. And then the kid in his head says like a fairy, right, mom? So it's like they, they have homophobia towards him too and and the mom is a little like doesn't say it but like implies a lot of things and the dad you never get his opinion because the dad is so like uninvolved like he's just like he has these quotes with him where he's like are you interested in girls yet and he's like no i'm 13 and he's like well you'll find the right one one day like he just like assumes like he's gonna be like traditionally masculine and just like ignores his own own son so like nate has a lot of resentment towards his dad when he's doing the audition for et there's like a part where he has to write down what do you connect with in the story and he basically puts the dad's not around like it's so sad like it's all so sad i have the part that you're talking about the whole thing was um my sexuality is off topic well, it says, oh, you meeting any nice girls at school? And he said, Dad, I'm 13. Can't start too young. That's all you need to know about that. <laughs> Met your mother when I was your age. I said, that's all you need to know about that. Uh, and then his father says, I'm praying for you, boy. Yeah, that's literally it. for you to be straight (laughs) what do you mean you can't pray the gay away I mean I guess if you bring a priest no yeah and it's just like everybody bullies him like he in the beginning says like life is hasn't been easy for me my first word was mama and then the other babies are teasing me it was like the second thing like he's he's been teased his entire life the kids call him nady the lady at school like he just gets bullied constantly for by everybody and his like saving grace is his friend libby who like moved from somewhere else so it's like hi caitlin the girl from like another part of the world, basically, who's more cultured, who like introduced him to the thing that he loves, which is like musical theater. And so they like bond really well together and have their own like set of like swear words, which they use like musical flops as like their swear words, which is really cute. And and the, their friendship is just very beautiful. So it's like the message too is like find somebody who understands you and like, like kind of like a found family thing or a found support system rather. And like his friend like really like goes out on a limb to like help him do the audition and all this stuff. And it's just that part of it's really, really beautiful um, in the story. 
I, I found the other part you're talking about. Um, they can't let a day go by without putting me through the ringer. Most recently, they cornered me after school in the gym and told me I couldn't leave the basketball court until I made three three-pointers in a row. I asked if I could just make one nine-pointer and be done with it. And little Bill laughed and said, he's not unfunny for a gay kid. Oh, there's, then, t- there's tons of stuff like that in the book where he's just, they just constantly bully him. Yeah. He says, my sexuality, by the way, is off topic and unrelated. I am undecided. I am a freshman at the College of Sexuality and I have undecided my major. And frankly, don't want to declare anything other than, hey, jerks, I'm 13. Leave me alone. Macaroni and cheese is still my favorite food. How would I know who I want to kiss? There you yeah, go. That, <laughs> I just love it. I, I love that line, too, because that's that's what 13 is. Like, there's nothing sexual about this. It's like, I'm 13. Like, I'm just 13. Leave me alone. I, I want to be an actor. Like, that's the whole book. The people that push sexuality on others are the people that <laughs> are the straight people that are always asking you, you got a boyfriend yet? You got a girlfriend yet? Yeah. Like the dad yeah, just I- did. He's like, you kissing girls yet? Like, there's the sexualizing. <laughs> people do that in kindergarten. Like, they ask, know. like, toddlers, like, so do you have a girlfriend? You have a crush on anyone? No, stop! Just stop! There's your pedophilia. It's disgusting. <laughs> There's also another trend in the book when he first gets to New York and that everything's just going so quickly and he thinks that New York is so magical and, like, that's where all the good is. And then once he takes a step back and actually looks around and thinks about it, um, it says... Maybe because, I don't know, to stop moving so fast might make you realize what an impractical home New York actually is. And I feel like this could be a commentary on, like, if people actually stopped and thought about why they're upset about things, maybe they'll see that it's really not what they think and be rational. But they don't because they're everything's just moving so fast and they don't think for themselves. Yeah, it's like expectation versus reality because when he first starts in the book, he basically says that like New York is like the place where dreams come true, like his dreams. So then when he gets there, he's like, oh, this is my dream. I'm living my dream. And then like takes a breather and is like, wait, this isn't what I expected. The reality is harsher than like what I thought. So I like that they added that realism because it's very easy in a children's book to make it whimsical and phantom. Like the whole story is crazy because he goes by himself and somehow navigates all this stuff with like no money as a minor. And you're like, how is he not being abducted? But like, <laughs> but he does because it's a children's book. But they add bits of realism in there where he's like, maybe that guy wasn't so friendly who sold me this stupid outfit I'm wearing and things like that. Yep. <sighs> Any, anything else about the book? Overall, very cute book. Good message. The reason for banning this is super weak. It's very age appropriate. Like the kid is 13, acknowledges I'm 13. I am not sexual. I still like mac and cheese. So like the fact that like clips were taken from this to ban it just proves the whole point of everything that we've mm-hmm. been talking about. It's out of context stuff. Um, I have two things to say about the movie that it was turned into. One, Lisa Kudrow is in it and... I loved her. I love her. <laughs> she's funny no matter what she's in. Yes. And then he tries to tell them that he has a photographic memory. And he comes out just like at the top, like projecting. I have a pornographic memory. And I, 
it made me laugh and I could see why parents would be upset about a line like that because it, it might not be a conversation you want to have with a younger child, but again. But that's so real. It's not a, it's so yeah. real. Like when I can't, it's just when we were, I think my sister was like, I don't know, nine or 10. She had a, a keyboard that she got as a gift and she was, tr or she was, no, she was asking for a keyboard for Christmas. And in the picture she had, the keyboard came with a bench. And she told my mom, I want the keyboard without the bitch. <laughs> so it's, it's just, it's so real that he would, that would happen. Yeah, no, it, it is. Because if kids even heard it once, like, they're going to get that confused for something else. So it's totally normal. I went up to my teacher. My mom told me that something wasn't feasible for something. So I went up to my English teacher. She was trying to help me with a question. And I'm like, well, my mom told me it wasn't feces. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, what did you say? And I just kept repeating the word. And she's like, I don't think you know what that means. Go look it up in the dictionary. So I looked it up in the dictionary and I was mortified. <laughs> and I don't even know where I came up with that word. But yeah, so it's definitely relatable. It's, it's a good movie. I think people should check it out. The music's great, too. Well, I think we can all agree that it's a cute book that doesn't, it has no bad anything about it. And once again, they're just using using this book as a way to throw the throw their conformity out there. So it's also a young male in musical theater. Yeah. And there who are always like, oh, if you dance or if you do musical theater, you're automatically gay, which no. Mm -hmm. And I, that was that's always been something that pissed me off. Because that's why a lot of kids don't want to do dance or theater. Yep. Yeah, I could go on for a while. But I think we've ranted about the books enough, even though this is book club. We also want to get to know Alexa more and about her job and all the crap she goes through. Yay. So, Alexa, we touched on her briefly, but what is your job and in what capacity does the banning of books affect you? So I am a, I do both reference services, which is for adults and young, uh, young adult services, which is for kids roughly ages 12 to 18 or seven to 12th grade, give or take. Um, and I would say that because I do most of my work with that demographic, the capacity to which book bans affects me is pretty strong because all of the books that we just talked about were either picture books or middle grade books. And obviously parents and groups that are against these things freak the fuck out if there is any mention of sex even alluded to in books for that demographic. The difference with young adult books, I think, is they are at an age where they are stepping into the adult world 
So you can't avoid these topics as much. Like the reality of the adult world is that they're going to confront things like racism, like LGBTQ people, like sex, all of those things that were on the infographic bars of reasons why books get banned. So I, I don't know that young adult books come more under fire than books for middle graders or children do, but I know that there have been a lot in recent years. So the way it doesn't, it's not as big of a problem where I currently work, because like I say, I work in a very liberal area. I am lucky to have an administration that is very pro intellectual freedom, doesn't believe in banning or challenging things. Um, you know, not that it's generally the library administration that's doing these things, but the way that they deal with the challenges that do come is very, you know, pro the guidelines that the American Library Association has set forth for intellectual freedom. So the question was, how does it affect me? Um, I guess it's something that I really feel passionately about. So it's something that I really want to make my kids aware of. I really want them to know like, hey, don't take this for granted because in other places, people want to take these books away from you. And we actually did. So Banned Books Week is usually the last week in September in the United States. So I put on this big program where I made like a scavenger hunt and I highlighted some current books that have been banned throughout the years, like popular titles they would be familiar with um, and sort of had them go on a scavenger hunt where they linked the books up to the reason that they were banned. And at the end of it, I had this big whiteboard set up and I asked them, you know, write why you think the number one reason that books are banned or challenged in this country is. Just to make them aware that, you know, in the intellectual freedom that we enjoy in our public libraries in this country really is a gift. And there are people that would like to take that away from them. So, and some of them, there's some doozies out there, like someone challenged the Hunger Games somewhere for being anti-family. <sighs> I had one point where I was like, isn't that a book about a girl trying to save her sister? I was like, yes, yes, it is. That is what it's about. You are so correct. So, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I remember <laughs> saying that and just being, we have ascended to idiocracy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, basically all the books that we did, we read in English class are banned in some form or challenged true yeah. yeah or challenged a lot of it oh i actually have the picture on my phone these are some of their responses that they wrote to the question why do we think books are banned and challenged keep in mind that these are like 12 and 13 year olds largely who wrote this um because people are scared of what they aren't racist or homophobic <sighs> um let me see. This is a really good one. School officials are old, out of touch, and senselessly ignorant to social progress. I really love Yes! <laughs> so, so, yeah. The, the kids are all right. The <laughs> are all right. And that's what I love, because, like, the parents in these situations don't realize the kids are watching all of this happen and processing it and being like, mm -hmm. what are you guys doing? <laughs> You guys are silly. Right. <laughs> You're like, uh, we're just going to go read it somewhere else. Right. There's a movie on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> or 
I have your, you saved your credit card in Amazon. (laughs) So Alexa, have there been any outrageous things or pushbacks that have happened to you in your position as librarian? There are two things that come to mind. One that I was not directly involved with and one that I very much was directly involved with. The first was, um, so library policy is that children under seven years old need to be within arm's reach of a parent at all times. They can't just run wild in the library. So we had a parent, a very irate parent on the phone because their child had pulled a book off of the new bookshelf that looked to them like a graphic novel, but it was a graphic novel for adults and had some naked people in it and some sex in it. And the parent was really upset about this. And we were kind of like, okay, well, if you had been within arm's reach of the kid, we didn't say this because we can't obviously, but if you had been within arm's reach of the kid, you would have seen them take it and could have been like, oh, that's for grownups. Why don't we find you something in your section? Um, But then the parent took it a step further and was like, this is disgusting. This doesn't belong in the library at all. And it's like, okay, we get that there's a lot of feelings right now, but this is not a failure of... What, this is not a failure of the library. This is a failure of parenting, dare I say? So, so you know, most libraries have what's called a reconsideration form, where if you're really pissed off about something that they have in their collection, you can fill out a little form that says, I'm pissed off. Here's why. And you submit it to the director and the director sort of cross checks what they have a problem with, with their own collection development policy, the guidelines that outline, um, why we choose books, what books in particular we look to choose. Do they have value for this? Is there a community interest in them? And, you know, generally, if it checks out, which it would have to in order to be purchased in the first place, it does not get removed. Uh Uh-huh, checked out. (laughs) That's a good one. Exactly. I love it. Um. The second, the second thing that happened was a little more menacing, which was that somebody who was running for state government actually came into my library a couple of times and filmed herself flipping through pages of, and obviously just the most incendiary pages, of um, genderqueer was a big one. But we also have a graphic novel about sexual health and education that was written by Erica Moen, and um, is a really fantastic book on sexual health and education, in my opinion, because it's extremely inclusive. It sort of fills in the gaps that most high school sex ed programs will not. Um, So it teaches about things like masturbation, but also things like how to have a healthy relationship, how to set healthy boundaries in any relationship. Like sex was not the sole focus, but you better believe I could hear her in the back of my teen section, like flipping through saying, this book is teaching children to do disgusting things with their bodies. And, um, and yeah, so she thinks that librarians should be in jail. She brought out the groomer word because you know that they love that word. Um, So that was, that was a little more alarming, especially because this was someone who was running for a position in state government did not win, obviously, because again, this is a highly liberal state that I live in. Um, But yeah, that really was kind of a wake up call to the fact that even if you feel like you are in a pretty open and accepting community, there's people everywhere who are going to just 
espouse these gross opinions because they want to rile people up because if they feel that they will rile people up enough, they'll get elected. That's that's really what her goal was. She didn't give a shit about those books. She gave a shit about getting elected. So that's why she did that. That is utterly horrifying. Sad. Yeah. She was making these videos and then putting them on her Facebook page. And I didn't watch them because I knew they were just going to piss me off. But a friend of mine who I worked with watched them and he's like, yeah, in the background of one of them, you can hear your voice like calling for someone to come back you up up there. <laughs> <laughs> you made a cameo. <laughs> I made a cameo. Uh, yeah, apparently you can hear her ranting and raving about groomers and pedophilia and this is child pornography and um, me in the background going, oh yeah, hi, is anybody on the desk right now? Like... <laughs> You poor, poor Alexis being is under siege. <laughs> because unfortunately, the guidelines of a library mean that I can't just throw her out because I don't like her. I say <sighs> mostly jokingly, mostly jokingly. But at the same time, I don't think an adult woman, our policy in the teen area is you're not allowed to just putz around there unless you are a teenager. And I just really don't think an unaccompanied adult woman who's throwing words like pedophilia around should be in there yeah for real i find it odd that she can people can just go in there and film stuff when it's like public like a public i don't know like i feel like there should be rules against that too i'm a little dodgy about that for sure for sure well unfortunately that gives her more right to film whatever she wants right yeah well i say unfortunately because i mean if if you needed film as evidence it would have been you know, beneficial, but right. Couldn't she go to the adult section or something? I don't know. The other thing too is that people like that feel like they're on a righteous cause, and if you derail them from it at all, they're like, "Here's proof I'm being suppressed." So you don't want to be like, "Hey, please get the fuck out of my room with this potentially triggering language," because you don't know who is in the room right now who is really going to be mm-hmm. affected by you throwing words like that around. Um, you know, so yeah, it was a bad time. Sounds like it. As our Lord and Savior once said, long story short, it was a bad time. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> I drape for that. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, okay, so banning books has been happening for a long time. How how do you think it's changed over the years and is it getting more worse or more targeted? I definitely think it's escalating, not necessarily as dramatically as it might seem, because like you said, it has been going on for years. There are books that are banned and challenged every single year. Um, A New York times article that I read on the subject did say that 2021, I think was the biggest year for bans and challenges since the American Library Association started keeping track of that number. I think they started keeping track in the early 2000s. Um, So I definitely think that it's escalating. And I do think it is, I definitely think it's becoming more targeted towards like what we saw in the bar graph. It's targeting um, racially diverse narratives. It's targeting LGBTQ people. It really does not like any books that are critical of the police in any way, shape or form. And I think that that is a response from the same people that I talked about earlier that are trying so desperately to uphold 
the status quo. And so I, I do think that it's changing in that it's becoming more targeted as a response to the changes that are happening in the culture at large. Um, worse, definitely a little bit. How has it changed? Uh, particularly, I talked about this a little bit earlier, but it's definitely changed in the sense that people have caught on to the fact that if you couch your dislike of a book in concerns that children are being harmed over it, you can get people much more riled up than if you just said, you know, like in the case of, I mentioned Gender Queer by Maya Kobabe, this has a non-binary person in it. I don't like it. Like that's not going to work as well as it would have 20 years ago, but you know, allegations that children will be harmed by adults because of this is something that obviously and rightfully gets people really upset, even in cases like this where it's completely baseless. So cool trick, disgusting, but it clearly- <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Fear is one hell of a drug. Fear is one hell of it a is. drug. It is. Cool. It's the most common drug in the world, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you see for the future of children's literature and book banning? So I really like that quote by, I think it was Martin Luther King Jr. about the arc of justice is long, but it bends towards justice. I mangled that. Sorry, Dr. King. Um, I really, I do believe that there is going to be more pushback, but I don't think, I mean, we're not going backwards. We're not going back to a time where, someone, a politician can stand up with Heather has two mommies and say, this is this and this and this and this, things that are completely unrelated to it. They can try, but I don't think it's going to be as well received as it was again, like almost 30 years, no, 30 years ago. Um, yeah, I, I really, I feel hopeful. I feel hopeful in large part because of those things I just read to you from the kids who wrote their own thoughts on the board. I mean, the younger generation kind of sees through the bullshit and you know like i said there's always going to be pushback from people who want to uphold that status quo but the world changes the world continues to change and i really do feel that it's bent toward justice so let's hope i'm right <laughs> yes i really hope you're right uh Thank you for informing us about like what's actually happening because I don't think any of the three of us are directly involved in what is going on, whereas this affects your everyday life, basically. So it's been really cool getting to hear your stories. Well, thank you for giving me a platform to do so. Like I said, this is something I feel really strongly about. So I'm really grateful that you gave me this space to sort of talk about all my big feelings about it, of which there are many. So thank you guys. Thank you. Um, so that's it for this month's book club. I'm going to throw it over to Theora to talk about next month's book club. All right. For December, we will not be talking about a holiday romance. Instead, we will be discussing the book Honey Girl by Morgan Rogers. It's like her breakout novel it's starring a queer woman of color and her like kind of journey. And it's an 
absolutely beautiful book about so many things. I fell in love with it when I read it and was just like, we need to talk about this book. So in December, we will reconvene and talk about Honey Girl. It's available in libraries, bookstores, get a copy and get ready for our December book club on Honey Girl. Yay. You know if that book's banned anywhere? I think it's too new to ban. Yeah. <laughs> but, it's too uh, new. Give it a year or two. Give it a year or two. Um, it's really good. It'll be challenged somewhere. Yeah. Well, it's actually, okay, so the protagonist is 30, so it's actually an adult book. Oh. Uh, so okay. It's not a YA. It's actually, it's like, it's a book about millennial, like a millennial that I relate to. So it's <laughs> partially why I picked it. So yeah, it's an adult book. There, You can't ban it easily, I assume. But yeah. phenomenal book. It's like great characters. Never lots say of, never. Lots of diversity in this book. It's really great. Honestly, Morgan, so good. Hopefully we can talk to her one day. All right. Hopefully. So we hope you'll join us next month for our book club and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye. And with that, we've been Big Gay Energy. If you like this episode, check out all of our other episodes on whatever you're using to listen right now. And please subscribe and like all the things. If you happen to be listening on Apple, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review, no matter how brief. This is what Apple uses in their algorithm to uh, help us gain a wider audience. So please, please, please help us out. Yes, and please feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you about everything and anything. And if we like it, we'll probably give you a shout out on the air. You can find us at all the things. Twitter at Big Gay Energy Pod. Tumblr, Big Gay Energy Pod. Instagram, Big Gay Energy Pod. Or you can email us at BigGayEnergyPod at gmail.com. Until next time, stay safe and hydrate for lesbian Jesus.